Welcome to the NCO Journal Podcast, where we explore NCO professional development. This is a podcast series where we discuss published articles with authors and provide a forum for the open exchange of ideas, information, and solutions. I'm your host, Staff Sergeant Brandon Cox, the Journal's Senior Editor. With us is Sergeant First Class Esvaldo Akite, the NCOIC. Today we discuss the article, A Regular and Hybrid Warfare, by author Sergeant Major Jacob Kirk. Sergeant Major, before we kick things off, could you please tell us a bit about yourself? My name is uh, Sergeant Major Jacob Kirk. I am currently the Operations Sergeant Major of uh, 2nd BCT 82nd Airborne Division. Uh, I've been in the Army uh, just under 21 years, and uh, I'm actually out in the field right now, and we're, uh, we're, we're training on, on large-scale combat operations uh, as, as we speak, getting ready to go out to a JRTC rotation uh, in about a month and a half. Um, so this is really relevant to, to what we are doing as a, as a division, as a decisive action division right now, and uh, how the brigades are reforming to the division and the LISCO, the large-scale combat operations fight uh, that the Army views itself in the, in the near future. Sergeant Majors, are you all incorporating some coin tactics in that training? Uh, so, so right now, it's just going to be a force-on-force, um, force, uh, again, LISCO environment um, for the date rotation that we're getting ready to do. Yeah, because we're, we were just talking about this after reading your article, and I think that's the case that you're making, right? And maybe I'll, I'll let you speak on that a little bit, but the fact that uh, that it's a, a little bit of a paradox that we're we're preparing for this large combat um, scale fighting, but then again, um, it, it'll it will or there will be some kind of irregular hybrid fighting. Yeah, you know, uh, like I stated in, in the in the article, the blueprint to, to how to fight Americans and, and and Western forces is out there, and I'm not sure that any any regular conventional force in the world can come can successfully combat the United States military. Um, but as dictated, you know, over, over the last couple of decades in Afghanistan, right. If you, if you hide among the populists and you conduct irregular tactics, right. You're, you're more successful against our conventional force uh, than you would be if, if you, everybody was out there wearing the same uniform and you knew who to combat. So really the enemy sees that, and while we might go into a conventional warfare, um, whether we stay in that manner, I, I highly doubt it. I think that the, you know, Russia, China using proxy wars, maybe North Korea, Iran, like they're not going to come at us with with uniformed soldiers after the first couple of battles, and it it will turn into a hybrid or uh, unconventional threat. Yeah, maybe before we continue the conversation, maybe we can uh, you kind of. Uh identify the differences between irregular and hybrid warfare. So what would you say those are? And then uh, maybe if you can define those a little bit for us. Absolutely. So, um, so obviously conventional warfare is, is what we train for. It's, it's army versus army or force versus force. But when we get into irregular warfare, it's really a, a fight between state actors and non-state actors. And when I say non-state actors, uh, you know, Al Qaeda is a non-state actor, the Taliban are non-state actors, uh, guerrillas, terrorists, uh, crime syndicates. Those were all um, examples of, of non-state actors. So when we fight against non-state actors, such as those groups I just mentioned, that that's really what's called irregular warfare. Now, when we talk about hybrid warfare, um, that's 
that's when a, a conventional force uses non-state or irregular actors um, to help combat, you know, using proxy wars and whatnot. So say Russia funded Al-Qaeda uh, in, in Iraq, that would be an example of them, or Iran even funding Al-Qaeda in Iraq. That'd be an example of a, a conventional force using a non-state actor uh, to help combat. So that's kind of, kind of the hybrid threat scenario right there. Yeah, we're kind of seeing that in uh, in Russia right now, in, in, in Ukraine, right? Um, Russia's using the Wagner Group to kind of help their conventional forces. Yeah, absolutely. Like, is is, is the Wagner Group um, viewed as as regular military forces for Russia, or are they just an organization that Russia has hired to go in and, and help their cause? So, I one hundred percent believe the, the Wagner Group is a, is a great example of hybrid warfare and, and how to utilize a force like that. So in your article, you talk about, um, you know, these regular forces or hybrid forces give conventional forces problems, right? It, it creates complex issues. And maybe you can talk a little bit about that. You know, be, being in the army in 20 years, I, I've had Af- Afghanistan rotations and Iraq rotations. And I can, and I can tell you, as as a conventional army, I w- I would want nothing better to do than go against somebody that I know that I can combat, and and not have to worry about civilian casualties or collateral damage. Um, using those hybrid forces and then that force blending into the population and then having to go into the population and potentially fight in populated centers where there are civilians and whatnot, it makes it so complex for military forces. Because not only do we have to fight those unconventional non-state actors inside of the civilian population center, but the world's media is also watching us. And then the propaganda war starts happening. So if, if there is collateral damage, and, and American forces are very hyper aware of having collateral damage and then having that portrayed against the world that we are killing civilians, kids, or um, you know, places of worship. Um, that that could negatively affect our force. And then if we lose that that propaganda war and the population turns against us, it just makes it so much more complicated and harder to achieve our, our in-state and our mission goals. I like that you mentioned that the fact that we have to go against uh, near-peer adversaries, you know, quote-unquote near-peer, because in your article you do state our military spending is much more than our adversaries. Could you talk a little bit about why you state that and, and how that what, – what is the actual effect of that if it ever came to a real war? The NDAA, the National Defense Authorization Act, which is it's being thrown around the, the Senate right now and was passed by the, the House, um, we're, we're going to spend, again, you know, over $800 billion um, towards national defense. And then when we look at Russia – and what we perceived Russia as a threat in 2022 when they came into Ukraine, I, I don't think there was anybody out there that didn't think Russia was just going to steamroll Ukraine and, and ultimately win in, inside of the Ukrainian environment. But we look at our force right now, and you know, we're modernizing uh, the training. And like I said, we're, I'm going into a JRT rotation here very shortly, and we're in the field right now preparing for that. I don't know if the other militaries around the world will have money to train like we do right now. So having the budget the United States military has right now does increase our effectiveness 
on on all the multi uh, multi domain platforms. You know, land, sea, air, space, and cyberspace. Uh, we we need to win every one of those fronts, um, and we need to win them decisively in order to be a be the 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 best military in the world, which which we are. It's interesting that you're that uh, as we're reading this article that your your units out in the field preparing for a GRTC rotation. And I'm reading here that it says experienced NCOs can interject many firsthand experiences doing training because it's, what it sounds like is the focus is on large-scale combat operations. But this is where the NCOs can come in and have a hand um, in what what the training is doing, right? Um, you know, there's going to be sergeant's times training. There's different tactics. There's different things to think about when you're clearing a room. And I think that's where that experience with these NCOs that have been to combat, that they can kind of interject some of these lessons learned and maybe not not have a lane for it or maybe not have to dedicate specific time for it, but maybe in their discussions and the chow time breaks with their soldiers that they're uh, they're talking about these things and what they experienced. Yeah, I 100% agree, and, and I have firsthand experience that, that that is actually happening right now. And what I'm afraid of is, you know, there, there's a lot of, new sergeants and staff sergeants that have not employed deployed and or experienced um you know that irregular warfare and the, and the hybrid warfare that we've experienced over the last 20 years so as as a senior nco i take it personally that i have to impart that experience on the on the younger generation so they can continue to train it just like you said sergeant's time training and white space and, and platoon collective and down training uh, they get on the calendar they need to continue to pass on these lessons learned that we've received and, and that we've learned, relearned, I should say, um, in order to not forget it. Because if, if we go to another large-scale combat operation 10 years from now, who is left in the Army that remembers what we've done over the last 20 years? It's, it's going to be very few. And if we don't impart that knowledge, uh, we're going to be learning a lot of new lessons that are actually old lessons. So it sounds like a call to action here for all the NCOs out there or, or leaders that have experience in combat to to do something with that information, right? And not just maybe just pass it along, but maybe maybe you can talk a little bit about the Center for Army Lessons Learned right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this, the, the call, the Center of Army Lessons Learned uh, website is, is phenomenal. Um, so if, if it's not annotated in doctrine – that's where I go to to see the latest trends um, that that the enemy and the the hybrid threat and really when I say trends I mean what what was happening in Iraq what was happening in Afghanistan with the Taliban with Al Qaeda and the, and the other insurgent groups that are in both of those uh, nations. What what did you know, soldiers experience that that didn't co- or wasn't covered in doctrine um, when. When, when I decide to move on and, and transition from the army, that's going to be one thing that I definitely push upon. That, you know, my 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 span of influence. You know, those those three to five soldiers that I, that I, or NCOs that I really um, influence and mentor. I'm going to get them on there, and, and I'm doing it right now, and say, hey, the, these are the good articles. You need to learn this. You need to continue to train on these um, because they will become relevant, uh, maybe within you know your your time in the military. Yeah, and a, a lot of the information there is also not just for the combat arms section. So I'm public affairs now, and the last time I used call was in Afghanistan. We were doing a rotation. We were trying out new camera equipment, and I actually had to put in my recommendations for 
my you know my lessons learned with that camera equipment and my recommendations for you know the next camera equipment that might come out what, what capabilities it should have and i remember using the call website for that um so it's not just for you know the, the direct um fighting units or combat arms but it, it could be useful for all kinds of lessons learned uh when, when was the last time you used this arm major so the the last time I got on to uh, to the call website uh, actually was during uh, the the academy when I graduated last year uh, to do the research to to write this article right now um, and and I used it before that you know I, I deployed with four two five to Afghanistan and it was a it was actually dictated down to the the battalion brigade and battalion level and they put out a reading list and they wanted leaders to be um, intelligent on, on these certain areas, you know, these certain publications and, and you're right, not just combat arms, you know, the, the full spectrum of, of jobs that we have in, in the United States army and, and beyond in the other forces as well, uh, to review, to get smart on it because they knew we were going to go into an environment like that. Um, and as we transition to, to our JRT rotation, I'm going to take those lessons learned that I learned as a first sergeant in, uh, in 425 now 11th airborne. And and maybe create a, a reading list and push that out to the population as well as as things that potentially could happen inside of this rotation. So, Sergeant Major, as as you guys are currently training for the you know LISCO, the big big area operations and force on force, what are some of the specific trainings that you'd like to see incorporated with this hybrid and irregular warfare uh, type of style? Yeah, great, great question. Um, so as I outlined earlier, you know, irregular warfare, like what, what is it? Who is it? You know, non-state actors. So we have, you know, Al Qaeda, the Taliban, guerrillas, um, terrorist networks, uh, crime networks. If we don't incorporate an, an alternate force that is not a part of the, the opposing force that, that we're, we're staging is, is a near peer threat and, and have a, complex you know tactical environment with other non-state actors i I think we're missing the boat because they're they're gonna be there and they're gonna give us fits and and we know that because the last 20 years they've given us fits so if if there's one thing that i think we need to incorporate in these big force on force training events at ntc and jrtc and jmrc over in germany is the inclusion of the non-state actors even a smaller force that will give us a more complex operating environment to think about, to plan against, and to action against. Sergeant Major, do you have any type of personal experience with this that you could you could tell us about? Maybe a reasoning why this is so important to you. Um. So when when I first joined the army, um, we, we you know we were we were fighting Russian tactics. Uh, I went out to JRTC rotation. It was big force on force, and that that was. That was my building block. That was the the baseline for for what I knew. And then we immediately went into the global war on terrorism. And a couple months later, I deployed to Iraq. And being a a, a veteran of of Iraq and Afghanistan, and losing you know friends in Iraq and Afghanistan, the the reason I'm so passionate about this and and that I wrote about this is if we don't plan now to to fight um, the irregular warfare. In, inside of LISCO operations, I don't want other soldiers to lose their battle buddies like, like I did. 
to irregular tactics, to somebody walking up with a uh, an improvised explosive like ID vest or or a car bomb or something like that, because we're just not thinking about it. Like if I don't see tanks or I don't see infantry in the battlefield, they, they really don't mean anything to me. We we have to take we have to take a step back and we have to codify all these lessons learned and not forget them so we don't lose soldiers needlessly in in the future wars now let's go operations we're going to lose large amounts of people uh, force on force i don't think it can be helped but what we can do is help minimize the impacts to that hybrid threat because we are actually pretty good at it because we fought it over the last 20 years yeah i was just thinking um a lot of these lessons learned has made it down to doctrine I know in Afghanistan we were initially we were patrolling out there and we were looking for weapons and things like that. Uh, we were never searching for, you know, the females, uh, civilians. Uh, but that's something that we learned quickly. And being in an all-male infantry unit, uh, we had to request MPs to come and help us search the females. But I, I think that's something that became part of the doctrine, part of part of how we do cordon searches now is that we incorporate a plan to search. Uh, diff- different situations. So I think, I guess my point is, these lessons that that we've learned has made it into doctrine at some point through the Center for Lessons Learned or however it, it got to the doctrine. Um, so I think it's also important for soldiers to read doctrine and understand why we do some of the things that we're, that that doctrine is telling us to do. I, I agree. I, I think doctrine is the first thing. That, that all soldiers need to learn, uh, all commanders and, and senior leaders. No, no doctrine and input and interject uh, the, these lessons, um, maybe off the call website or personal experience or whatnot, into your training just to amplify it and you know, make it a little bit better, a little bit more realistic. But 100% what you said, doctrine is, is where you start and, and you have to get good at that first. So I guess what, what would be the message for all the NCOs or all the soldiers out there listening to this podcast, what what would be the key takeaways for them, Sergeant Major? A key takeaway or, or the key takeaways, uh, you know, the, the enemy has a vote. And it's not just confined to combat arms like, like you've pointed out. The enemy is going to take their lessons learned from the way we fought over the last 20 plus years. They're going to take their lessons learned off of what's going on in, in Russia and Ukraine right now. And and state actors, you know, uh, the, the threats that we have from China and, and Russia and, and the other high risk nations around the world, North Korea, Iran, they're going to take those lessons learned from what they've seen from us because everything is publicized and they're going to create a technique or, or TTPs to try to defeat us. So we need to be able to react to a, you know, a. Um, a hybrid environment, as you will, and and not just focus on one uh, single training path. So, like right now, like the army is really looking at the divisions of action right now, and and the brigades are are reforming, um, and it's really easy to lose sight of of the lessons learned again in in irregular and hybrid warfare that we've learned because everything is is new to us. The 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 global war on terrorism, the GWAT generation. So the message I really want to portray is. Do not forget the lessons that we've learned. We, we, we have to continue to teach them. We have to teach them down to the lowest level, but we also have to pay attention and, and fight the fight that the, that the smartest uh, 
people in the army are telling us we're going to fight. Um, so, so learn what, what the units want you to learn, uh, become subject matter experts at it, and also pass down the knowledge that we've gotten over our wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. So inevitably, when another war breaks out, we're not losing soldiers because we forgot how to fight their regular and hybrid threats. Thank you, Sergeant Major, for joining us, and a thank you to our audience. Remember to put your knowledge to the page, submit articles, and get published with the NCO Journal. Don't forget to check out our webpage and follow us on social media. We'll catch you next time on the NCO Journal Podcast.